the award-winning Mercedes-Benz Vito invites you to get this with Tony Martin and Ben Elton. Yes, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard. Uh, no talk of turkey slapping today. No mention of a certain celebrity fisherman. No, well, references to obscure Aussie Joe Bugner films or slagging of Nickelback. It's an all-Ben Elton hour coming up on Get This. This show is disgusting and degrading and should be pulled. That'd be those mentals here at Triple M. Let's get this. Welcome aboard, everybody. It's myself, Tony Martin, that man, Richard Marsland. Good morning, Tony. Did you do anything on Rove last night? Was there anything? Uh, well, I had a hand in writing something that um, ended with John Howard being blown up by the Tapadong 2 from North Korea. Oh, so. well done. Give yourself a round of applause. Possibly seditious. And if you've got any more on the tank, here's Ben Hill. Look, there he is. Mate, you know, I was, uh, I was uh, on Rove and I, I thought it was fantastic. I re- really enjoyed it. It was a very nice piece and very well voiced by the, what's his name, really nice, with the big bloke next to Yeah, excellent, Peter. It was great. Really good bit of work. <laughs> and uh, what did they have you doing on row if you went? Uh, I didn't get the main interview, mate. I can't oh. tell you. I was, pipped at the, I was pipped at the post by a Muppet or indeed a, a, a similar thing. Uh, I'm afraid Elmo, Elmo got the full full sofa treatment oh. from Rover and I just joined the panel for a few gaggettes. Uh, oh, but uh, Rove always does a decent thing. Plugged all the gigs and uh, it's always a play. I've done Rove so many times. You can't always get the centre stage particularly no. when there's a, a large man with his hand up a puppet <laughs> uh, can't compete you, with you that can't compete with a bit of fisting before <laughs> uh. <laughs> last time Mick Malloy was on that show I said how did you go he goes mate I was on after Kamal being wheeled out on an office chair <laughs> well you so. know they, it, it, it was good it was good fun I'd always have a few beers after there's a great band on I'd never heard of them before but my god what are they on it they're called the great or something this great. crazy girl jumping up and down I heard of them real sort of power pop reminded me of sort of uh uh, just post-punk kind of wackiness. Wow. It was really good. I thought they were excellent. <laughs> I wrote anyway. that too. All right. Yeah. Did you do all their songs, yeah. Yeah. Well done. You know, Ben, you're here and, and when it's I somebody... I here and what an observation to make. <laughs> in the right. same room as exactly well, I'd like to point out. But when people from overseas are here, you, you feel like saying welcome to the country, but don't you sort of live here anyway? Not in the moment. No, we're, uh, we, we live in Britain, but I, I have lived here many times and we'll live here again. In fact, I lived in Melbourne for three years, 90 through to 93. Oh, well, I was commuting, Sophie, my wife, was living here. We had a, rented a house in Richmond, and I was here about half the time. I wrote Gridlock overlooking the uh, MCG. Um, and now there is ago. a Gridlock all around the There MCG. is indeed a Gridlock. There was indeed then as well. It doesn't sound... So I've, I, you can see the kind of effect my polemics have. Uh, but uh, we, we also... We're now... Sophie's a West Australian, and we were only over here because they were trying to... The jam tarts were trying to get a deal and never happened, right. et cetera, et cetera. So uh, our, lo- our Australian life is West Australian. We have a home in Frio and in, in Margaret River, but we're not there. We're in Sussex. So it's really weird. I'm back in our old uh, drinking stamping ground of, uh, of Melbourne, and Sophie's with the kids in London. So I guess I got a better deal, particularly hanging out with you guys. So you don't need uh, people to explain things to you for your act? Uh, you? I, had to, I had to have turkey slapping explained to me. Uh, <laughs> because everybody's was it was on everybody's lips. That <laughs> certainly was. It certainly was. But it's just a bit of harmless yeah, fun. Yeah, what a great uh, what a great phrase to enter the <laughs> lexicon of the contribution that Australian English has made to the the language has been fabulous. And yet another great Aussie first turkey slapping. <laughs> yeah, but come right. on, I mean it's pretty tame compared to what goes on in your UK, Big Brother. Uh, everyone seems to think this, but it's not true. We don't have a lot. There's not. I mean, you know, it's the same. You know, salacious prurience. You know, like oh, surprise, surprise, Channel Ten. You get a load of young sort of dickheads, you get them pissed up and put them in a room together for three months, they go crazy and one of them gets his dick out. What a surprise. Wasn't that quite what you were hoping would happen? 
Uh, and now they've even got the Prime Minister promoting the bloody show, because if anything is more likely to make people watch the show in and, and their demographic, it's boring old John saying don't. Um, so, uh, but no, the UK Big Brother's just the same, you know, sort of, you know, a bunch of dickheads in a house, you know. But no, they don't. There's no one's had a root or anything, is it? You know, oh my God, they're fumbling under the blankets. Let's watch that again, you know. Still to come. Oh, is that a little bit of rhythmic movement under the blanket? Um, you Not know. enough cameras in the house, apparently. Yeah, they need to get the cameras no, under to, the blankets. They're going to do that. It won't be long before it, they'll be having a live pissing, honestly. Because <laughs> when I when I wrote Big Bro, when I wrote Dead Famous, yeah. they actually were still having separate but dorms. You know, yes. there was a girls' dorm and a boys' dorm, and there was never any. You never saw the toilet or anything. Now it's slowly but surely it's getting there and they're talking. And it, it's just oh, sort of it, it's 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 voyeurism. You know, people like watching people. That's all it is. The know? toilet will be having its own separate spin off. Exactly, the lab cam, the blammer cam. Now, you mentioned your book, Dead Famous, and that was a terrific read. Which I'm not plug, you're welcome to go and get it, but... Uh, no, but I... Do you know Alan Davies, the comedian, British comedian? Yeah, you don't, I don't know him, but I've, you know... He plays him. Jonathan Creek. That's right, yeah, yeah, kind of curly-haired. He, he's came in on one of our shows once, and he goes, he goes, oh, I had a great idea for a book. He goes, I had a fantastic idea for a book. It was about a murder in the Big Brother house, and I locked myself in my house and wrote it for a week. And then I popped down the shops, and bloody Ben Elton already had it out. <laughs> <laughs> How many he books? Never is I've never met. I've had met him. He didn't mention it, but only very briefly at one of those uh, talk over the shoulder of the other blokes sort of soirees. Um, he's yeah, a lovely bloke. Lives in a windmill. He seem like a lovely bloke. I know a lot of people who know him, and uh, yeah, much. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, that's good. Well, it was an obvious idea. I remember when I was writing it. Thinking, gosh, I, 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 I honestly remember yeah. thinking, I'll bet some hell is bloody right this. So I obviously had a bit of a channeling moment with with, uh, with Alan, but because it, it's a classic Agatha Christie situation. I mean, she invented a brilliant sort of like uh, way, a, a structure for, for for novel writing, which is the closed house murder. You know, it was her idea. It's brilliant. Yeah. You know, snowed up. The, the lines are down. No one can get in. No one can get out. A stranger occasionally turns up, which they also <laughs> also do with Big Brother. Uh, and uh, I, I, it struck me as a, a classic modern version of that, particularly with all the cameras watching as well. But what's interesting is how, I, how sort of um, tele-literate um, people have become Big Brother candidates, contestants now know the kind of process. They know that right. they're being edited and watched. I remember when I was writing uh, Dead Famous, I, I was actually making an original observation to point out this is not this is as far from reality as a as a scripted sitcom because you are watching the script of the editor. And if they want you to, if they want to make you I I imagine that one of the contestants is falling in love with a chair, all they need to do is have an isolated shot of a chair, isolated shot of a contestant looking moodily into the distance, and bang, they got a furniture <laughs> fetishist. And and at the time, I was pointing that out as, as a revelation, but now I think everybody knows it. They know they're making him look that way. They're making her look that way. Uh, it's interesting. We're sort of, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, we're going to go into a fourth dimension, because first you had the idea of reality television, then the penny dropped that this is not real, and now you've got people who know it's not real trying to play it to make it look real. Yes. And so we're sort of already three degrees of separation from any reality at all, and, and we, are, we are fast going up the... <laughs> Up the proverbial arsehole. Oh, I just know that somebody's sitting there writing down that furniture idea. That's fantastic. <laughs> Sofa slapping. That Absolutely. could take off. <laughs> uh, ben, not telling me you haven't draped the old fella across a bit of page <laughs> in your time. Ben, let's, it over the Velcro. <laughs> let's do it. Let's have a crack at that next on Get This. That'd be Snow Patrol. You're all I have here at Get This on Triple M. All we have today is Ben Elton sitting in. That's all you've got, and is it enough, and is enough ever enough? I oh, don't know. Look, we're, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you. 
holding this microphone in this picture. How long is it since you got out on the stand-up game? Well, bench? actually, it's only a few weeks because I've just completed a grueling 60-day tour of, uh, of the UK, all as a preparation for playing here in Australia, Understood. obviously. I see the, uh, the United Kingdom gigs just as a sort of pedestal upon which to put the statue, <laughs> which is the Australian audience for me. Uh, but uh, before that, prior to embarking on, on Get a Grip UK, uh, it had been about nine years, but I, it didn't feel like it. No. Know? I've been busy, and I never really noticed that I wasn't doing stand-up because I, you know, I tart myself around a bit. You know, I'm on parkie over there and rove over here fairly regularly with the books and things like that. So yeah. I always feel, you know, I, I hadn't really noticed until I sat down to try and write two and a half hours of new gear. <laughs> and how do you start? Where do you yeah. begin? I mean, do you have a? Is there a pub nearby where you live where you can sneak out and run five in? Or you've got three three small kids, you don't get to sneak no. in the pub so much these days. You know <laughs> okay. what I'm saying? We do our drinking at home, and <laughs> believe me, as you after you got the kids to bed and you're shaking a hand, <laughs> tries to get the corkscrew in, and you're stabbing your hand because you're missing a bottle with the horror of it. I love them twist offs. The new now you can get good wine in twist off bottles. It's just <laughs> fabulous. You get a whole extra forty five seconds of drinking time with those twist offs. <laughs> Um, I look, what, what, do I write my act in a pub? Is no, no, do, where do you try out the material? I don't, I mean, ever, you, I don't so try you, it out. I so start you, the tour. You Bang. book a big theatre, you're doing two and a half hours. Well, we d I did do three in smaller theatres, which was a bit of luck, actually, because although we didn't invite the press at all and there was no hoo-ha about it, there was some interest because, you know, I hadn't gigged for so long and I did my first big gig in Reading, at Reading Hexagon, about 1,500-seater. Uh, and... Um, wow. And they turned up. And luck, amazingly, because I don't, you know, I'd get some good reviews, but normally, you know, you get bagged, you've been around so long, you know. Uh, amazingly, they, they they liked it, and I was bloody glad I'd done three warm-ups to learn the, learn the material. But, I mean, I started, and I, started two, I did two, I did three 200-seaters, yeah. but the first game, 200 punters is a, is a scary audience, yeah. uh, and they'd all paid, you know. Um, but I find you do try out stuff, it doesn't try it out. You've got to do it for real. Yeah. So I tried it out on the foliage. I walked around the garden for for, for, for a month, you know, my parent, my kids looking out the window thinking Dad's gone crazy because all I can see is me sort of shouting and ranting yeah. at the trees and effing and blinding. And mom, their mums said, don't go outside your Dad say something foul that we don't want you to hear for at least another five years. Um, uh, so, no, I sit and write and go out and shout at the trees and then go back into my little study. I've got one in the garden. It's like a shed. Right. And, uh, you know, write a bit more and tease my imagination. I spent about two months writing it. Learnt it, got upstage, did it. Fabulous. We must remember to try material out on trees for this show, Richard. Write that idea down. I tell you what, they, they don't laugh, but then they don't shit in you either. You know, it's a, but then the birds in them do, you know, whatever. When I uh, started out doing stand-up, I was so terrified. I remembered reading an interview with you where you described uh, your early gigs and you said the key was to talk as quickly and loudly as possible. Uh, these are the days. Did I not say? My, I used to say that uh, Mother Nature's greatest mistake was locating the, the nerve the nervous system in the middle of the digestive system. The That's arsehole true. of a stand-up comic ages at twice the speed of his or her body. Very true. Uh, maybe in my 40s, but my bum can remember the war. Uh, <laughs> but the, if you talk it, quick enough... If you talk, honestly, I developed my kind of rat-a-tat machine gun, my sure. trademark motor-mouth delivery. Yes. Uh, I mean, look, I'm a bit of a fast Gabby sort of talker anyway, but there's no doubt about it. In those early days in the comedy store, horrible gigs, unpleasant I used to talk very fast, very loud, very aggressively in order to not let, you know, hecklers and scumbags get a word in edgeways. And the reason is I think they are scumbags. I live in, I live in hope of that famous witty heckle. All heckles are the same. <laughs> Drunk dickhead at the back wakes up. F off, you're not funny. Um, and, you know, people think that kind of the heckling, oh, did you get heckled? Is that great? Look, I'm, 
I don't anymore because people come to see me and that's <laughs> nice, but I deal with it very aggressively because my view is is that the punter has paid their money to hear what I've got to say, which I've yeah. worked on and studied. You know, the old heck will put that, you know, what did he say on the post of Ben Elton or, or Ben Elton plus some dickhead who can't keep his mouth shut, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'd, I'd, it doesn't happen much anymore, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm on stage to deliver ideas. Yeah. You know, I've, I've gone on the road again, not because I've got a load of old gags I want to trot out for another outing, but I've got a new show, new ideas, new thoughts, and the public if they've paid they obviously want to hear it and fortunately nobody you know people understand that and so there isn't heckling but i uh, on the whole my my view of heckling is that it's almost always destructive um i mean obviously the fun of watching someone deal with a heckler there is some skill in it but it's it's a very gladiatorial sort of thumbs up thumbs yes. down sort of skill and i used to be the comedy store compare because i was you know i was good at the job and i could i could run a room and you get some kind of quite sensitive act to go on, trying to establish something. Takes a few minutes, don't give him a second, because yeah. this is going to be good. You know, you imagine if, um, you know, Mort Saal or, you know, one of the, you know, so, or, you know, would he have somebody's ideas? And of course, the second there's a pause, some idiot's ruining it. You know what I mean? So no, if you're out there, hecklers, just, just have a little look at yourselves. Look in the mirror and just <laughs> ask yourself exactly how witty are you? And if you were witty enough to be on stage as a comic, perhaps you'd be doing it, my darling. I've heard, I've heard so few good ones really over the years. I remember somebody doing a particularly bad gig where they said, look, and they were being heckled and they said, look, I've, I've only got three minutes up here and someone went, go and boil an egg! <laughs> no, that that is, was all right. Look, there are a few. Of course there's witty. <laughs> I mean, if a taxi for me, you know, like in a pause taxi for Mr. So, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, look, obviously, if somebody, if, if a comic has, if you really have got somebody on stage who shouldn't be on stage, who's clearly got some kind of arrogant kind of wish, death wish, that, that, but... <laughs> All I'm saying is give the comic a chance. I mean, in my yeah. day, luckily, I mean, social politics have changed a lot in stand-up. And in the early days at the comedy store, it was still, believe it, it's funny to think that it was still a time when somebody could shout, get us your tits, give your tits out or whatever, and yeah. wouldn't feel, I mean, even the biggest bogan would now know that <laughs> that is like, oh, please. You know yeah. what I mean? You've got, you've got to do better. But literally, Jenny and Dawn, French and Saunders wouldn't play the London comedy store, because in the oh. early 80s, a woman got on stage, get your tits out. <laughs> Honestly, I promise you, and it was the same over here. That's changed, so that's a good thing. But witty, he wiki, witty heckles are a lot rarer than witty put-downs. I think the key is there's a couple of uh, tryout rooms in Melbourne where mm. the whole audience is made up of really comfy couches and armchairs. Mm. And I've been along, and you've seen terrible people on stage, and no one ever gets heckled. You're asleep. I, I just, well, I think it's either sleep mm. or it's just you can't get angry yeah. in a nice, Do comfy you know, it's couch. It's really weird you should say that. I don't... I, when I go into a theatre, you know, like these days, they, the council refurbishes theatres, and you suddenly yeah. go in, and every seat is like a bloody armchair, and it's all very nice if you're listening to La Traviata or whatever. But it's actually wrong. It was wrong for. We had a lovely. I can't remember what theatre we were in for. We were rocking. It's a fantastic theatre. We were really well looked after, but unbelievably comfy, spacious, huge seats. <laughs> Not good for jumping on your feet, waving your arms, and giving it. We are the champions. You know what I mean? I, I, I think there's a happy medium, and I actually don't believe an audience should be too. Comfortable. It's right. like with pubs. I don't want to sit in an easy chair in a pub. You know, you go in these modern sort of chill out sort of places, and, like there's soft furnishings. You know, a beer, you want to be sat up high, you know, elbows on the table, you know, giving it large to whoever you're talking to, not, you want not it to eight feet away from them in a sort of like sinking into the furnishings. We want it to look like it is on EastEnders. Mm. <laughs> well, I believe me, I, that is a, that, there's a reason pubs develop like that because it's a nice way to drink and to talk. You know, you don't. You know, you don't want to eat your dinner in an armchair. You sit up at a table, and I feel the same about boozing. Certainly for stand-up comedy, if it is really sort of, you know, if people are sat low, sat far back, they can't get on the edge of their seats, I think it does genuinely change the, the gig, and the same for rock and roll as well.
the seating is excellent. <laughs> on... It doesn't matter what the seating is like, I'm superb. We've talked more about the seating than I the know, material. We were talking about fancying furniture <laughs> earlier in the Big Brother house situation. We've, we've definitely got a chair, chair gig going on here, haven't we? <laughs> it's the theme of the show. Get a Grip is the tour. Yeah. It's uh, coming to the Sydney Capitol Theatre, July 20, 21, 22. Well, sold out 21, 22. What are you getting? Don't give me that. It's sold out. No, no, no. We've got an extra, we added extra, two extra shows in, in Sydney, uh, one at the Capitol and then another one at... Uh, somewhere else, and uh, an extra show has been added here in, in Melbourne. Uh, His His Majesty's. His Majesty's. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Adelaide and Ge- Geelong. And, well, you're going uh, to Geelong. You're at the Gold Coast. You're at Brisbane, August one and two. Adelaide at the Theberton on the fourth and the fifth of August. And uh, you know it's Perth not over yet. Do you get to Perth? Does, does this Does this version of the M's get as far as across the Nullarbor? Do you, do you, it probably does on the, the internet. Yeah, oh, they're all honestly they can't get enough of it on the internet. They say, <laughs> "Screw our local stations. We 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 got to get Triple M from Melbourne on our internet." We do very well in London every day. Honestly, I wake the kids up. Oh, you got to hear what he's saying now. <laughs> we're a midnight show. We're actually midnight in, in London. Exactly. So. I get him up. Say, <laughs> That's when you're up. Never mind Enid. But we do get. Let's listen to our tapes of Triple M. Never mind Enid. <laughs> oh, look, uh, we've got some more to get out of Ben Elton yet. We're not finished with you yet. we got a lot of furniture to discuss. That'll be coming up. <laughs> get this. Let's hope those boys can get their lives back on track and make up for the damage they've done. For the award-winning Mercedes-Benz Vito on Triple M. Uh, yes, let's get this. It's on Triple M. It's around the nation. I think we've got some chisels, do we? Mm-hmm. Do we, Mr. Marsland? And more Ben Elton in just a moment. Forever now, or flame trees if you prefer. Depending on what state you're in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, get this, it's Triple M. Tony Martin, Richard Marsden and Ben Elton is our co-host this morning. Uh, Ben, oh, what about... a lot of hosting. Don't I get uh, to announce that uh, let's rock with the chisels or anything like that? I'm... You can throw the nickel back at any time. I like that. Okay, we'll, we'll hold on that for a moment. Uh... <laughs> hey, what about uh, you're on tour, get a grip, you've got to go and see Ben doing his stand-up, but he does lots of other things as well, and, of course, we remember the Black Adder, but what about that Hugh Laurie, Dr. House? Oh, no. How well's he done for himself? It's extraordinary. I mean, in, in late middle age, the, 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 the good furry suddenly nestled on his shoulder. I was having dinner with him in London at only the other day, and I hadn't seen him for a year because he spends nine months wow. a year in the United States making this massive smash hit. Funny thing is, it's actually not so big in Britain. It's on right. a, it's on a minority channel. Uh, I mean, everyone knows because Hugh's so famous from other things. Everyone knows he's a big star in the States. And, of course, House is, is much admired and, and yeah. much much reported, and it's a big show. But it's not the colossus that it is here and in America. And, it, I mean, he's one of them. I mean, it's incredible. I don't think there's ever been a... And it, maybe Jeffrey Rush, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. suddenly a sort of bloke who's who's basically got used to what his career is, yeah. absolutely out of the blue, takes a different step, a quantum leap, you know. And of course, yeah, and someone English, story. I mean, like Sid James, didn't go over and do Starsky no, and Hutch. Exactly, no, nothing like that ever happened. It doesn't happen very often. But but Hugh naturally is a great leading man. I mean, the fact that he's a wonderful comic and plays silly buffoons brilliantly in the Black Adder yeah. and things uh, disguised the fact, which I recognised. I mean, I feel rather proud of the fact that I was punting him as a leading man, as a yes. romantic lead, you know, trying to get Maybe Baby, my movie funded, which he played yeah. the lead in. And it wasn't easy. There was a huge resistance from people who fund movies to having Hugh as a leading man. He said, look, he's not a romantic lead. He's, you know, he's a comic turn you know i want hugh grant is that who they were suggesting well of course we couldn't have got him i mean it wasn't that that scale of movie but yes it was was very much if only you could get hugh grant and in fact hugh used to constantly be you know 
up right. against, you know, for all Richard Curtis's films. They'd see Hugh, but give it to Hugh Grant. Um, but anyway, now Hugh's got the laugh because not only is he playing a, a, a romantic lead, but a really kind of sexy, tough one. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. And uh, we've always, uh, his friends have always known that about Hugh. There's a real lot of Clint Eastwood about Hugh. Well, you what, know him, you know. one of the great things about him becoming successful is a lot of his older stuff is coming out. So there's a show called A Bit of Fry and Laurie, which was him and Stephen yeah, Fry, which yeah. we never got. We got the later series of it here. Yeah. But we never got the early ones. And that's suddenly out on DVD yeah, here just um, because of Dr. House. I would love it if maybe Baby got put around a bit because I'm still very <laughs> proud of that film. And a lot of, you know, people who see it love it. But, you know, it was a moderate hit. It did okay. You know, yeah. it was released around the world. But, you know, I mean, it'd be great if the Hugh Laurie interest would, would get people to go and see the movie. Yeah. What about, so you've directed a film. What was that? I mean, how did you start there? I mean, uh, it's fantastic fun. It's a really wonderful thing to get the chance to do because he's he, he, a writer to direct a movie where you get every aspect because a director is an absolute autocrat until they, they screw up so badly that, that they get sacked which happens very very rarely because that right. is a genuine crisis if you chuck the captain out midstream you know what I mean yeah. so basically once once you've got the job and once you're on you know you are really in control and you, you have all these wonderful talents you know cameras makeup actors etc and, and they're all working towards realising what's in your head and they're how did fantastic. you go with people just asking you 200 questions a day I, I loved it you do get asked an awful lot of questions because every single decision but you know I'm kind of an energetic guy and, and I always you know and, and I feed on I, I, you know the enforcer quote, how can I tell you what I think until I've heard what I have to say? <laughs> well, because people are asking you questions, that's when you make your decisions. That's when you improvise your answers. Yeah. It's not as if I turn up each morning and it was, you know, 5 a.m. Right, I've got all the answers in my head. But as the day progressed, you know, the answers are bubbling because it's exciting. And I think we did a good job. It was a very coherent movie, you know, and it came in under budget and, and, and made its money back. Um, but as a writer, as I say, I would find it very, very frustrating, as I know Richard Curtis did, to be the writer of a movie and have it directed by other people yeah. um, because they are in control. And I, I'm one of those people who, 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 who resents this whole a so-and-so movie because <laughs> it's outrageous because if you haven't written it, let no. I mean, obviously, there's actors, there's makeup, there's cameras, but frankly, the writer is seriously at the centre of that, in yeah. my opinion, and yet directors somehow managed to sort of hijack the whole thing. So the writer's just like, you know, the, the, the stage door cat, and it's the guy who's helming it, you know. Whereas, in fact, if they've got a good camera operator, as I did in, 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 in Roger, the Australian camera uh, a camera for if I you know he's 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 doing most of the pictures you know what I mean. It's the how did you go with screen direction? That's the worst thing, isn't it? Left or right? Which oh, way are people that crossing the line thing. But you've got the genius of a the genius of a. It's almost always a girl uh, called the continuity girl. I'm sure if, even if it's a boy, they get called the continuity girl. Yes, uh, and they are the geniuses of the movie because you're constantly turning to her and saying, you know. Which, which way do they walk? Have they said this before? What are they wearing? And they've got, you know, I mean, incredible level of concentration. But they're a nightmare at lunch because you put your cup down and they go, no, it was just over there. Oh, <laughs> Move absolutely. it to the left. <laughs> so your pants up. Don't, exactly. You're, now, you you're don't lifting look... it with the other hand. You're lifting it with the other hand. I'm not on film. It doesn't matter. And, and there's now websites where, you know, the bands, uh, the drink, the level of the drink goes up. Oh, yeah. You know, people just spot mistakes. Where's this website thing? I was talking about these, these young kids, the, the, the great, this band on Rove last night. They were, you know, cracking up about some funny website where everybody gets to take the piss out of Chuck Norris or something. There's a whole world... <laughs> Do you know about this? There's I don't know. A, there's I, we, a whole world of weird websites. I have no. I mean, it did make me feel old. I thought I am genuinely because there's some people contributing sort of. Um, there's a thing about ninjas and pirates. Have you heard about this? I don't know. <laughs> website where people sort of do fantasy jokes about ninjas. Ninja. There was one funny thing. Ninjas can only be attacked by scary stories. They're only vulnerable to scary stories. They can't, I mean, funny sort of ideas. <laughs> 
And I'm looking at these sort of 20-year-olds or whatever, and there's a whole world which I know nothing about. So there's a site where you can make fun of Chuck Norris. Yeah. We make fun of Chuck it, Norris at our house. Sergeant Moss, we call him, because his, his beard appears to be made of moss. Yeah. It's just growing on the his face like The moss. joke is how, just how hard is he? Um, uh, you know, I think one of the lines they quoted me was, Chuck Norris doesn't sleep. He waits and watches, you know, and I, you know, like kind of funny, sort of weird, sort of. I don't know what we're talking about that for, but let's I, not plug I, Chuck Norris. There's a brief window into a world of entertainment which I have yet to, uh, yet to be a part of. Well, look, uh, I think it's time to get the listeners on board. We're going to do that next, and uh, you can throw let's a, get them. Let's throw get a few them, yeah. curly ones at Ben Elton next on Get This. A smash mouth. I'm a believer here at Get This on Triple M. We're Ben Elton sitting in with us. He's on his Get a Grip tour. It's uh, when does the first show actually kick off, Ben? Uh, uh, well, Wellington, this Saturday. Wellington? Yeah, yeah, doing, doing five gigs in New Zealand and uh, your old patch, and uh, then uh, then coming into, I think it's Sydney we start with, I'm not sure, I mean, uh, I really don't know, I don't look more than a minute or two ahead July on this kind of uh, schedule. At the Sydney Capitol, we were just talking about the mysteries of the internet, and uh, obviously you've got uh, children of your own, you're creating your own staff who will be <laughs> able to explain everything to you. Well, yeah, I guess they'll have to clue me up when they finally get up to it. I mean, it is weird, I was I was on Denton, I mean, it's coming out next week, uh, no for open i feel a bit of a fogey because um i i, I massive frustration with a with 98 of the internet in that this idea that it's some kind of wonderful information repository where you instantly have everything at your fingertips basically most of it's bullshit i mean the number of times i do interviews where people said i looked you up on wikipedia <laughs> oh so you are some twat from the pub or what is you know what i mean because it's just whoever whatever train spotter feels like you know no research no editing nothing and yet it's got this kind of weird legitimacy because it's the marvelous internet and i was really bagging it because another thing i do on stage i do a massive riff on this whole nonsense of conspiracy theories there is no politics anymore because nobody believes in anything basically right. well actually people will believe anything and trust nothing yes. you know so suddenly what was minority r rubbish like men didn't land on the moon because of these <laughs> millions of websites suddenly everybody's trading this bullshit paranoia and uh, if you think everything's crap then there's no point voting in which case democracy dies anyway that was my that was my um that was my sort of riff with andrew but then last night again i keep plugging these young kids but uh, uh you know, these, this band, and we're talking about these internet sites, you know, where they're sort of comedy-like exchange. And, uh. and I'm thinking, well, obviously, you know, if you're using it properly, of course it's fantastic. The area I think is genuinely uh, corrosive is, one, ex exchange of paranoia, but two, people thinking that uh, learning to search is, is learning to learn, and it isn't. I mean, you've got a lot of people who know how to access, but yes. do they know how to absorb? Because in the long run, there ain't no substitute for effort. And no. a page of print, whether it's on a screen or on a page, takes a minute or two to read. And, Google. and if you click again after the first sentence, you've learnt nothing. And you just and medical problems. Have you done that? Have you got no, oh, I, I a bit of a pain don't. in the elbow? I'll better Google that. I, I, exactly. Yeah, Google. I, I mean, you know, obviously it's good. You know, it's good for porn and train timetables. You know, <laughs> it certainly uh, is. But uh, the. <laughs> If you've been to YouTube, that's what we were talking about, just old clips of things. Yeah, I, Harry Enfield was telling me he sort of saw some, you know, him at 21 on the telly. I, I haven't, I, I've got broadband, but it doesn't seem to be very quick. And also, I don't know, when, I, when it says, you know, click to watch this, I just get a little square that says it's downloading and an icon. But when I try and open it, it, it doesn't open. So oh, I don't really how old know. are you children? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're six. They'll tell me in a oh, couple of years. Oh, they'll be right. They'll be on there. Um, it's you know it's good for email, but again, I mean, I wonder. It's a great shame because there will we have we have passed the age when there will be any archives. I mean, you know, the idea of being able to feel or look at, at annotated. I remember when I was a kid. Remember we did uh, Wilfred Owen's poetry at school, and you could actually look at a facsimile of, of his of his 
page with his notes, etc. I mean, look, I, I love using my word processor to write. Of course I do. But it is a shame that there will be no letters, you know, no. like somebody's letters, because someone's emails, <laughs> Monsieur Foot now. I mean, it's not yeah. quite the same. And you never used to get letters in your letterbox with endless offers of free Viagra. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, I, I do a whole riff on this about this. Who is it? That, who are these people who think that, you know, everybody, you know, you're trying to do your mail and suddenly somebody's saying, you know, don't you think your dick's a bit small? <laughs> and, then, and I say, when you got your, when you got your mail, this is on the stage, I'm quoting my own gear, but you know, like, all right, when you got your mail through the post, I mean, snail mail, very snow as, slow as the IT community derogatory say, but at least the postman didn't heckle you about the size of your dick every morning. <laughs> and the, the other aspect with emails that I find worrying is that now people write letters for everybody. It used to be, you wrote a letter, only one person was going to read it, it took a big effort, and there was a real direct and personal communication. But now, whenever anybody, including myself, you write something rather good, you think, I'll send that to another. You know what I mean? Like, so suddenly everyone's in the, yeah. in, in the loop. So you don't, you write something, it's taken a bit of an effort. Oh, God, I can't just send that to one person. That'll probably be of interest. So, for instance, if Brian and I are communicating about We Will Rock You, there's a huge temptation, which we've suppressed, to sort of copy, you know, the musical director, the choreographer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, keep yeah, you yeah. in on a loop on all the clever <laughs> observations Brian and I are sharing. You know what I mean? And I think that is a shame, because I think it does change the nature of what you say. I, I sent my wife an email the other day, and she was just up in the front room. <laughs> and I just couldn't be bothered. How well, many you know, sugars? That's, well, that's the famous scene from Bridget Jones, that first scene where her and Hugh Grant are kind of yeah. exchanging flirtations from one room in an office to another. And that, that, when that was happening, I didn't, I don't, what's she talking about? Because this was like <laughs> ten years ago, and I was so not up to speed at that point, you know. Uh, but anyway, now I'm, I'm with it too. I don't, I don't, rem I'm not a Luddite. I'm not seeking to turn back the clock. But no. I do think it's time, there's a, a bit too much eulogising about the endless information possibilities and a bit too little pointing out of the endless bullshit possibilities. <laughs> the endless breast possibilities. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, look, Ben Elton is here. Why should we have all the fun? Give us a call, ask him a question. He'll talk about any topic, some of his work, other people's work, things that are going on. Train timetables. And if you don't call, I'll get my publisher to do it from, outs from outside, <laughs> just, just so I don't look too sad. Richard Marsland will yeah. run out and bug on a voice. Yeah, He's done exactly. it before. Yeah. Give I'll us do a it myself. Uh, hello, Ben. <laughs> I'm an enormous fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fantastic. I love all your work. <laughs> Would you have a list of your gigs? <laughs> uh, give us a yeah. call. One well, triple three. Well, it's one triple three five three. Speak to Ben Elton. That's those chilli peppers, Danny California, here at Get This on Triple M. Ben Elton is sitting in for the whole hour today, very kindly. And now, let's throw some punters at him. Who have we got on the line, Richard? Uh, Ian, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, what's your question for Ben? Uh, ben, listen, I've, I've been a big, I've sort of been a big fan of your work for uh, a fair while, actually. The, um, especially, and quoting, well, harking way back even to the young ones. Yeah, good which, stuff. Which I enjoyed immensely, I must admit. Still do whenever it comes back on. Um, I just wondered, when, when you actually got to filming that, how, like, were those guys as maniac, as manic as, like, off, <laughs> <laughs> off tap as well as they were on camera? I mean, was no, it, did they all, did they all suddenly go back and start sipping tea and having cucumber sandwiches after doing all that stuff? No, well, we were very young, so the people were fairly sort of wacky. I mean, we're all just out of university, and, you know, we used to, drink more probably well actually we drink we're still you know that when you're young you can actually have a drink at lunchtime and actually manage to work in the afternoon something i definitely can't do anymore um so yeah we were moderately mad but there was no no drugs around it wasn't it wasn't like that um and it, it's hard work 
to make a sitcom, particularly with a lot of stunts like that. So it's pretty serious. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there was one, the young one's house, Rick, Rick and Aid lived in a house to get a briefing. And I briefly was in the same house just after they'd left, but with a similar sort of gang. And once Aid did ride a motorbike up, a small Honda 50 up the stairs <laughs> of that house. But I think that is the only sort of genuine Vivian moment in uh, so in never, never actually put someone's head through a window or hit them with a cricket bat. Never no, produced know, in, a howitzer from a bedroom. No, like all students, you know, Occasionally, you know, if somebody's somebody's sort of like got a bit of stock, and you think it's rubbish, you won't do the washing up in it, and they oh, that was stock. You know, oh, well, we'll eat it anyway. You know, we had plenty of, you know, plenty of grubby sort of uh, who's going to clean the toilet, you know, sort of moments. But uh, uh, it wasn't that wacky because it's very hard to put. When I first toured in Australia in '86 with Rick, a lot of DJs, you say, oh, it's, you know, a bit disappointed with me because there was Rick Mail, the big star, and then there's this fart next to him who apparently wrote a lot of it, and they say, but surely the guys make it up. It's so spontaneous, and I go, yeah, of course, because you know. I like coming through a wall and landing in a bowl of lentils is something you can just say let's do that in five minutes get it rigged you know no it takes I, days of planning i watched that series again reese i hadn't seen it for years and the stuff that really makes me laugh is just rick mail going off at people when he yeah. goes off at that old guy in the post office <laughs> yeah. do you know what honestly i don't remember it. i haven't <laughs> seen him for 20 years and it's not like out of some oh i didn't watch my own work, but why would i i mean it's a very very long time but i do know from my memories of it that the bits i like was the character work i was never a big fan of the sort of rats in the skirting it is the character stuff that holds up. Stuff. I, I mean, for me, I, I always thought that was pretty crappy at the time. What I liked was the interchange between the boys, you know, like going to the laundrette. Or my favourite scene, the one I do remember, was re revising for his exams. Uh, revising to go on university challenge on the train the revision thing you've done loads and loads and loads of work that's, I just, that's my single favorite yeah, scene no, in I, the whole I, series and then vivian putting his hand out oh but yeah out the window <laughs> i remember it. that was a great episode and <laughs> loads I, and, I, and loads you know don't loads. tell me don't tell me okay you know <laughs> you said don't tell you well tell me now what tell you now then. i do remember it actually funnily uh, enough there you go it's all coming back memories but yeah. thank you ian uh Thanks, ian. we got matthew on the line matthew hey guys how you doing Good, question man. for ben firstly i'd just like to say that as a 10 year old your motivation and motor mouth tapes absolutely warped my mind. You sound a lot older than 10, mate. Well, that was when I was a kid. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. I thought you were saying, speaking as a 10-year-old, <laughs> man. To this day, I still cannot sit in the toilet while there's someone else. No, you can't. Is that to do with the album, though, or just yeah, generally? Yeah, well, pretty much. <laughs> they were great days of stand-up, uh, but I'm doing all new gear now, but still just as, just as... Just my my question for you yeah. is uh, a trivia question that's popped around is that apparently you co-wrote a song with Queen back in the day. Is that true? No, not at all. I mean, I, I obviously, I, I wrote the, the story and the, and, and the script for the Queen musical, We Will Rock You. I've never written a song with Queen. We talked, we did some revisions of some of the lyrics together, like uh, in, in Radio Gaga, which opens the show, We Will Rock You. Uh, we, we put some internet references in and things, and we sort of did that together. But that was very minor. I mean, I wouldn't even, there's no crediting in the program, and nor should there be. I mean, this was a change of the old word. No, I've never co-written a song with, with uh, uh, Queen. I wrote a musical. I wrote all the lyrics and the book from music with Andrew Lloyd Webber, very different genre, uh, and uh, but working with Queen, I was the gag man, they did the music, and they didn't need any help from me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, very nice, Matthew, we're trying to punch a few so, through here. Yeah, that, that, uh, it will never go away probably on the internet, you know, he wrote a song with Queen, even though he's denied yes. it, I'm sure he did. He was the lead singer Short of Queen for seven years. Shortly before Killing Lady Di and Kennedy, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, have we got Darren on the line? Darren? How you going, boys? Have you got a question for Mr. Elton? I do, Mr. Elton. Um, I was just wondering what you think, um, I don't know if you've heard yet, but uh, the John Howard and Peter Costello situation at the moment. Yeah, well, then, didn't, um, didn't, there's a, a Costello's 
to turkey whacked uh, Howard in a cabinet <laughs> meeting or something? Wasn't there some... Yeah, some, some speaking, that's a, that's a good way yeah, to put it. Some, um, uh, just, some treasurer's droopage across <laughs> his face, I believe. <laughs> mm. I'm just wondering if um, you got a sidekick or someone behind you is willing to boot you out in a couple of years. Waiting for me to... Well, I mean, my children are trying to kill me, but I don't know if that's the same same thing. I think it's outrageous, this idea, you know, this bauble of the premiership that he promised me and me promised to... I mean, it's a contempt for the Australian people. As far as I'm concerned, we have the same situation in Britain with Blair and Brown, and, and people are talking about this one. They should be talking about where were the weapons of mass destruction. Hey, Howard, you want to talk about lies? What about the children overboard scandal? It seems to me that the trivia, the obsessive personality trivia that the media are prepared to go along with when the real issues are, you know, hey, didn't we fight a war for completely fictitious reasons? Shouldn't you be discussing that? If you're going to resign, resign because of that, not because you promised yeah. your mate the job, you prick. Not because anyway. of a letter that's been in someone's wallet for 14 exactly. years. Exactly. Imagine how sweaty that would be if it'd be in his back pocket, <laughs> kind of, you know. Uh, I think we're finally out of time, Ben. Oh, well, it's been a great pleasure. And we didn't get to ask you all the cliched uh, blackadder questions I had for uh, you. Well, I love those cliched blackadder questions. <laughs> Uh, we'll have to get you back. Meanwhile, Get a Grip is coming to your town. It's coming to Sydney uh, July 20. Uh, it's going to be in Perth if you're listening on the internet July 23, 24. Melbourne on the 25th. Geelong. Hello, Geelong on the 27th. Gold Coast on the 31st. Brisbane August 1st and 2nd. And Adelaide at the Theberton 4th and the 5th. There'll be a big picture in the newspaper. Just look for the picture of Ben Elton and there'll be some dates underneath and a phone number. It's really quite simple. I look, promise you. Look for my picture and whack that turkey. Have you got a new... <laughs> <laughs> is there a book that you'd like to mention? Yeah, First Casualty, my uh, first historical novel, a drama, not not that funny actually, some comedy in it. First Casualty, set in World War One, big hit in Britain and here in Australia, all good bookshops, check it out. No turkeys injured. Thanks for coming <laughs> in, Ben, and uh, I think our key phrase today was, Ben Hilton. That's all. <laughs> Sorry, I said. And we'll be back. There's no need to apologise. <laughs> just about to say sorry, I said prick, and now I've said it again on air. <laughs> it's all thanks to Mercedes Veto. <laughs>